0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Leverage and Beverage. I'm your host, Greg Sobosinski. And today we have another wonderful guest um, that's part of this adventure of businesses and some of the best beverages on the planet. I have with me uh, Jason Schaff of Mill Creek Apiary. Jason, what's going on? How you doing, Greg? Um, So I kind of came across you because I, I saw your shop and you do a lot of stuff with bees and honey. So tell us exactly what Mill Creek Apiary is. And what's your involvement and how you kind of got into this?
1: Yeah. So well, yeah. Thanks for having me today. This is uh, absolutely. This is is cool. So Mill Creek Apiary's been around since uh, 2005. Okay. And uh, I took it over in 2018. So it's been going on five years. Um, my beekeeping mentor uh, owned it prior, and um, he was retiring. He said, "Hey, you know, you want this thing? We got." So I basically bought. customer list, some equipment. And, mm. um, and then we, you know, m- my wife and I, you know, talked about it, uh, quite a bit. And, uh, I was working a, a crazy job at the time. So we were trying to do Mill Creek apiary as a side hustle. Mm. And, uh, that, you know, we quickly realized that, that wasn't feasible. <laughs> um, and knowing, you know, how much growth potential there was in that, industry, we felt like there was a lot of potential. Mm. So um, what yeah.
0: were you doing prior to the so I was a
1: project manager for a heavy civil contractor in, okay. in um, central Jersey? So I was doing a lot of traveling. I was on mm. the road a ton, um, but it gave me, you know, it gave me some uh, knowledge or, or, or know how kind of coming into into the business world of mm. my own um, right. to help me navigate through some of the, the finances and things like that. Gotcha. Um, so I, you know, 2018, uh, took over a small little company and we've, we've grown, uh, quite a bit, have a couple of employees now and, um, we've grown our apiaries. We've grown our, uh, customer base, our clients, customers, and, um, you know, just excited about what, what what's going to come up next. So an, next an
0: apiary at, at its basic is just a, a bee farm. Is that what, is that what it is? Or is there more specifics than that?
1: Yeah, so an apiary is a bee farm. It's anywhere where bees are kept. Mm. Um, So, Mill Creek Apiary, we are, you know, we keep bees. We have several apiaries in the area, about 15 apiaries. And, um, but we're, you know, if you can call it a full service beekeeping company. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, We keep bees, we sell bees. We're certified by the state of New Jersey to sell honeybees in Queens. Uh, Obviously, we sell honey. We, uh, we do pest control services, We remove bees from people's homes when they, um, mm. you know, if they're living in the house, we'll remove the honeybees and relocate them and rehabilitate them. Um, we have a couple of corporate partnerships where we keep bees on, on corporate campuses. Mm. And, uh, it's a way for the company to engage its employees and we do workshops around that. Um, so it's, the, you know, they're, they're meeting environmental, environmental initiatives while at the same time uh offering something to our employees to to engage them and to get them excited about so um and then we do our own workshops mm. so we have the opportunity for people to come out suit up do a hive inspection with us check out the 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 bees and there's a ton of of learning that goes on through that,
0: that so that is, is this something that you um did before or on like the side a little bit or, or researched bees before, or is it something that you kind of came into and just wanted to learn more about?
1: No. So I've kept bees for about, uh, 15 years. Okay. So when I say my beekeeping mentor had the business prior to me, he was a person who helped me through some of my challenges in beekeeping. Mm-hmm. I could call him, ask him questions. Um, and he kind of showed me some of the ropes, uh, about mm-hmm. beekeeping, so we had a good relationship, but um, but yeah, I've kept these prior to taking on Mill Creek Apiary. Gotcha. And uh, but we just saw a huge potential to, you know, increase our customer base just because of all of the incredible benefits that that honey offers. Sure.
0: So let's get into that a little bit because, you know, I was looking at your site before this just to kind of do a little bit of um you know, research work. And you guys are in a lot of areas, you know what I mean? So like when, when you're in business, it's like, you can either, some people like to go very narrow and say, okay, this mm-hmm. is what I'm focusing on. But it's like, you guys also within that narrow space have a bunch of different things that overlap very nicely, it seems. So you, you have sales of honey, beeswax, um, actual bees, mm-hmm. and then you uh, other education workshops, corporate partnerships, like you mentioned, um, relocation and pollination services, I think was on there. Pollination services as well. So for you, how do how do you, how do you translate this to like, to like business, meaning like break down the numbers as far as like, Hey, we have, this is, this is honeybees. And generally it's spoken about in a very, like, um, you know, the health benefits of honey or save the bee, you know, that kind of industry. Mm -hmm. But how does that for you, um, equate in your mind? Are there two separate sections or like, okay, the bees and that part. And then how do we monetize this? Or what's the conversation in your head about that?
1: Yeah. So there's the, there's the, it's a crazy uh, business model. And I say that to myself all the time, but we're, you know, we're going from farming, Mm -hmm. um, livestock management, worrying about all, all the details of that, the, disease, the seasons, the, you know, just from the farming aspect and taking that all the way to putting honey in a jar, the labeling, Mm -hmm. the marketing of that. So, and we've got a product line of, you know, 30 to 50, you know, 40, 50 products. So there's a lot going on in between all that. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the business, there's definitely the sort of the honey beeswax, honey and beeswax side of it. Um, and then there's the workshops educating people and corporate partnerships side of it um so i think there's a huge opportunity in both mm. and you know i feel very spread out um yeah i was going to kind it. of thinned out a, very often and you know a few years into this and we're just still trying to figure out, you know, sort of where we want to, where we want to focus. Um, sure. I feel like we, you know, if we could, we'd, we'd, we'd do it all, do it all. There's <laughs> um,
0: only so much manpower though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like- so
1: we're so, so there's just been, we're taking it in steps. It's, it's incremental um, opportunities come up that, that lead to other opportunities that then turn into something substantial. And that's been, that's for me, the journey in, in having the business has been about that. Like these, you know, you, you meet one person, if you meet one person, you have a a, a good meeting that turns into a relationship with three Mm. to five people, you know, that, that, that there's a return people coming back, that person talks to other people about what you do or what you have, um, sort of spreading that, um, spreading the web, and and the relationships kind of that organic, I guess, that would be considered organic growth, just kind of incrementally growing. And through that growth, understanding or trying to understand what people want, you know, we do things, we try things, things fail. We, I'm always asking myself, do people even care? You know, do we want to, expand our, <laughs> our honey varieties. Do we want to go pollinate mm. another crop? Mm. Um, so we can bring that to our customers. Do people care about that? Do people care about the, you know, uh, learning about bees at our workshops? Um, I don't know. Let's try it. Let's go, let's do some workshops to see what kind of feedback we get. We don't know until we do it. Uh, do companies does it resonate with companies to have bees on their campus? Uh, do they get enough engagement from their employees? I don't know. Let's go, hmm. let's, let's offer it. Let's try it. Let's, let's dive in. There's been a lot of that in the past, you know, up until this point. Um, so there is a lot going on. There's still, for me, there's still so much um, discovery to, to happen in terms of where we need to be as a company, where we're going to focus, because I don't want to appear too watered down. I mm-hmm. don't want to appear that we kind of do it all. Uh, we're a small company, you know, we're, we're me and, and two full-time employees and then a couple part-time employees. Mm. So we're tiny. I think we appear from the outside as, you know, as we're bigger, we're kind of branded. We, you know, when I, when I first took over the business, one of my first goals was to rebrand the company and to kind of get, you know, get the logo in place, get something that was striking, something that we could, mm. you know, that, that uh, was us. And, um, so I think that's been, I get a lot of great feedback on, on the branding. And, um, so I think we come across as maybe a, a more substantial company than, than we mm. are, <laughs> which I don't know if is a good thing.
0: Yeah. That's it, your, your comment about, you know, discovery and just trying things and finding out. I mean, that's essentially what. Businesses at the end of the day, you have people who have problems. Hmm. You're kind of either whether, maybe in this case it's a health problem or a, a crop pollination problem or a, a, a culinary problem. You know what I mean? You're solving all these different problems, right? And then you also have all the internal problems of the business, like how do I continue to grow this? From right. from the inside. So it's right. almost like this dual thing where I'm solving these external problems. That's the purpose of the business. Then internally I have these other things that I have to keep going and solve them on a daily basis in order to continue solving the other problems. Right. Um so it, it's it's it's, it's it's a puzzle. But it's a puzzle that you're
1: trying to put together every single day. And,
0: and give give me your your just general feedback on that. Cause I find it pretty um enlivening, I guess. You know what I mean? There are times of definitely, you know, higher stress and whatnot, right. but it, Tell me, tell me what you think about that, or how, how how your experience has been in that regard.
1: You know, I um, I wish I had started a business or or sort of branched out earlier in my in my career. Why? Because I love the, um, I love the highs. Hmm. Um, I love the wins. I love the successes. I love the f- positive feedback. Uh, it in terms of you say enlivening. That is, it's just this uh this fuel that's addictive
2: Hmm.
1: addicting and um so it's those highs that are addicting the lows i mean i'll tell you that the lows are low low. (laughs) they are low and uh that that's the part of business ownership that i i i don't think anybody can explain to anybody else that, you- that, that, that there's, that's the cycle of mm. high highs and low lows and getting through those low lows and knowing that, you know, uh, feeling, feeling okay about your decisions, feeling that, you know, you can only, you can only learn through failure. Mm. I mean, truly you can only learn through failure. So those failures are, uh, essential to moving forward. Uh, and that's tough. Like I'm not there. I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I certainly don't live by that. I don't, mm. uh, you know, um, and I, that, that's a, it's a tough concept for me to um, deal with when I'm, when I'm failing <laughs> that I need this in order to grow. But um, it's that grind. I guess that's what the the grind is, is called it's kind of grinding through mm. those times, knowing that you're going to come out. You're going to come out on the other side because we do have. It's not as if we're drowning. We still have so much positivity. We said a ton of great things. You know, in those moments of failure, those moment, those tough times, you know that you've got a ton going for you still. And uh, you know, it takes having the right people around you. Absolutely, to, you know, having a strong family and um, and uh, and knowing that you can unload at the end of the day and have an ear that, uh, is, is willing to, to hear that, you know, in my wife. So it, it's, it's definitely a, 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 a journey that I wouldn't have expected, you know,
0: do you, do you think business ownership has made you um, more grateful? Meaning we talk about these high highs and some of these lower lows. Um, and when you do get one of those high highs, you're, on top of the world you know like, mm-hmm. okay i made this this mm-hmm. is cool and it's all attributed to you and your team as opposed mm-hmm. to being part of a larger company perhaps where it's not as you know viscerally felt um but you know you also have the low lows but in general do you think it makes you a more um grateful person having the the flow of the high to the low, just because you you appreciate both. You appreciate where things are, where things happen. Mm -hmm. It also kind of gives you like a more level mindset. I think that, you know, things aren't always just here. Things aren't always even Mm -hmm. here. You know what I mean? It kind of gives you an appreciation across the board for, um, just the opportunity that's available and where you're able to pivot to.
1: I think for me, it gives me an appreciation for the people that I have working for me. Um, that are part of the team that not necessarily like kind of pull me through that. I think I need to do that for myself, mm. but just the appreciation for everything that they've done the you know, the my employees and my family to um, kind of prepare me for those moments because they're working so hard in their own lane to make things perfect mm. So without that kind of support, without that rock, without that, uh, you know, knowing that they're going to pull their own weight, you know, I don't know if I'd be able to pull through those lows as, as, uh, as quickly or as easily as I have been able to. So I think it might just give me clarity on that Hmm. as kind of have an appreciation for what we all do and and where we've come in the last few years as a team. I feel super grateful to have the, the, the guys I've got. Um, young guys, young young girls, and uh, just dedicated to what they do. Hmm. Uh, they're here because they love what we do. They're here for the purpose and the mission, and um, that means that means it all. You know, I think they're they're here because they want to be, hmm. and uh, so they they've been tremendous.
0: We, um, we have a drink in front of us here. Yeah. And when I, I mentioned, I asked you what you wanted to drink on the show, The <laughs> you said a uh, mead or cider. And I think meads, uh, particularly apropos because, yep. you know, it's made from honey. That's essentially yep. the, the, um, the fermentable in, 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 mead, but we have a mead here. I think one of you said so one of your friends made this mead.
1: Yeah. It's a customer who, cool. um, uh, uses our honey to make awesome. mead. So, um, I did have to crack the bottle uh, this morning to make sure it was drinkable, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, have you know, I've had other, other bottles of his and they've been great, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a homebrew. Yeah. But, uh, pretty tasty. So this one Ooh. is, it's a pumpkin pie, 12%. Wow. Um, what notes, yeah. t- what notes
0: are you getting there on the nose?
1: I'm getting peach. I'm getting a little clove. How about you?
0: I definitely get the peach yeah. for sure. Yeah. Which I wasn't expecting to get, but
1: I get like a rich, like a richness,
0: almost like a um like a um like a nutmeggy. Like
1: a nut. Yeah, and that might be the that might be the pumpkin. He may throw a pumpkin pie spice in there. Mm. But mead to me is kind of like a sake. Mm. It kind of has a little has those alcohol, you know, kind of heavy alcohol. Um, but a lightness, Mm. a fruitiness, the honey flavor comes through, honey taste comes through. I enjoy it. I don't drink it a whole bunch.
0: Right. This is really nice. I actually really, really enjoy this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the mead making process, have you ever ever made mead before?
1: Nobody here. It's tough. I hear it's super finicky.
0: I've made one mead. Um, I made a second mead, um, with a listener of this show. Um and let uh, that go. It it was it was good. It was fine, but it, it is finicky. I don't think I've done it enough yet to kind of dial it in. My like my forte is definitely more beer. Yeah, but um, it's hard because you know in beer you have the grain and there's so many other nutrients available in that. With honey, you're talking like it's a lot of sugar, and that's basically
2: right. it. You right. know what I
0: mean? So yeah. there's not a ton of other. Let me let's talk in like raw honey. You know what I mean? There might be other nutrients then. Yeah. Um but that is basically that water and, and, and yeast. Right. Um, and so there has to, you know, when I first made it, I was sure to add like other, you know, yeast nutrient and stuff just to make sure that the, the yeast had enough uh, to chew on the entire time mm-hmm. they were there. Um, and then, you know, I've, uh, my first batch I made, I definitely did not use enough fruit. I did a fruited meat and it was just, I just way undershot mm-hmm. what that should have been. And I also used, that I used a, um, like a juice puree mix, which I probably shouldn't have done. I probably should have used actual fruit because you probably would have gotten way more nutrients out of the full with the fruit flesh and stuff on there as well.
1: And the different yeasts want different nutrients, right? Sure. There are some, do you use champagne yeast for? for I, I
0: used a champagne yeast yeah. and I used that one time. And I also used a, a standard, just like West Coast 05 yeast. And um, I don't know. I, I It's definitely a, a finicky game that I
1: haven't figured out yet. Let's put it that way. So the fermentation time is what, six months or so or more for me?
0: Um, so I would say, yeah, it's, there's the, the fermentation might be, it, I honestly, I don't know it as well as beer. So I would say probably it's probably a little bit less than that, but you, you, there's a small aging period right, after right, that.
1: Right. Yeah. So when I say fermentation, like the whole, the the process right. from when it, when you, when you started yeah. to drink, and drink it. Yeah. Typically, so, I
0: mean, you probably could drink it, you know, earlier, but I typically, you know, would probably wait about, you know, four to six months for mm-hmm. first popping one and then kind of seeing, but so that's tough. You get it, a bad
1: batch after four. To six months. Yeah. That's a bummer. I,
0: I have actually some meads from the first batch that are definitely not. I mean, it, it was okay, but it was, I could tell it was way under fruited way over, you know, a ton of, um, alcohol notes. You know what I mean? Almost Is like that too, where it too comes, much.
1: that's where it comes in as super alcohol. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it was just like, you could just tell it should have been a little bit, um, a little bit sweeter should have been a little bit like heavier and it was just almost a little bit thin um
1: so are there sugars that stay behind in the product there's got to be because what we're drinking is sweet
0: yeah so i think people either do it a a couple of different ways either they really load up on the fermental sugars up front Mm -hmm. and they either stop it before it's fully fermented out or sometimes i've seen people also uh, back sweeten so they'll they'll do a batch and then they'll add almost like um like a, like juice back to it afterwards and let that, you know what I mean? So there's, there's other ways of back sweetening it as well. Um, I've, I've not done that yet.
1: So honey is glucose and fructose Mm. primarily. There's no sucrose. So, um, probably super fermentable sugars. And I'm wondering if some yeasts prefer fructose over glucose or vice versa, hundred percent, and maybe leave some behind. I'm wondering.
0: Yeah, I I think it's definitely true. It's definitely true in beer. Yeah. Um, and so I, I imagine the same principles apply here. It's right. making me actually I'm my brain's kind of going now. I kind of want to <laughs> do it again. Go back and do it again. Do it. I got some uh, money for you. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll do a, a podcast collaboration. Sure, yeah. Um, it. It. but no, i I'd totally be down for it. This is actually this is really, really good though. I really yeah, do it. I get the the pumpkin. It's a really good for this time of year, like that Thanksgiving kind of like vibe. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Um I'm digging it. I, uh, it, that'll, it, that'll, that'll set me back pretty quick. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, for sure. Wait, what's it? You said 14 or 12, 12. 12.
1: 12?
2: Well, yeah.
1: I'm a lightweight though. Um, that's why, you know, for me, as I get older, the beer is tougher on my system. Like hmm. I, you know, more headaches, more sluggishness, just not feeling great the next day. And that's not even getting hammered. It's just drinking a couple of beers. I've heard and that I, just, that, I don't I won't feel great. Yeah. I'm,
0: I'm wondering if that's. Um, what that's due to, I wonder if it's like the, the grain itself or if it's, yeah. um, something else I'm interested. Know. Uh, have you ever dabbled in, in like sour beers at all? Yeah.
1: I love sour beers.
0: You do you still, do you still beer drink beer. those? No, no, really? Those two get you.
1: Well, I haven't, I don't know for sure. I just mm. kind of laid off, you know, have a beer once in a while, but I kind of laid off beer as mm. a, you know, in, as a whole, you think the sours would be more. Oh yeah. Tolerable? I
0: mean, they're in general, they're, um, a lot more microbial activity there, depending on what type of sour you're doing. If you're doing like a kettle sour, maybe not, but if you're doing more of a, you know, traditional barrel aged with a, a mixed culture, you'll have a, I mean, it's like a cocktail of yeast and bacteria. Mm. So, I mean, I'm just,
1: who did, there was somebody who was spelled, spellbound.
0: I don't know. Um, I'm
1: sure everyone's doing sours now, right? Yeah. It's part of the lineup.
0: People are doing them. I think a lot of the local breweries have done more in the realm of kettle sours than anything else. Um, but which is uh, basically you just, um, lactobacillus bacteria. It's, it's it'll take about 48 hours or so. Okay. And you're just doing a quick, basically a quick souring of the beer and then you'll kill off everything, but the, but the, the tartness remains. And then you'll kind of go through to either dry hopping or, or canning at that point. But, but um, what
1: happens with the, uh, carb, the carbonization of it, because you're going to get, if, if there's digestion still going on and that you could get that bottle conditioned. Uh, effect right with right yeah so, so you, how do you control the
0: so you you would uh, basically you would pitch you would brew a wart uh, do something like a light boil take it off and then you would um, add the lacto when you get down to like ninety six degrees or so mm-hmm. and then from there um, you would let it go for about maybe you know thirty six forty eight hours depending till yet you get your, hit your pH numbers and then you're gonna boil again at that point you're basically killing oh, off killing. all oh, okay. and then some okay. of the sugars will still be there because not all of them have been consumed and then you just ferment like normal
1: so the tartness stays behind and that's yes. what you're picking up okay yes. got it. got it um, that makes sense
0: but for me i mean if you if you have like you know some of the really good sour breweries like if you have anything from like russian river or you know some of these other breweries who have been doing this for like um like cantillon or you know drefontaine or um, yeah. they have it, it's just a world's difference between some of these more longer aged sours and which got might it. go for sometimes like your lambics or your cues will go for like three years, you know what I mean? As yeah, opposed that's, to that's what right. 48 hours, <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: And those that's those breweries specialize in sours. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'll give it a try, yeah, yeah. You, you you I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, but this is making me think. I mean, I almost want to brew like a braggot. You ever had a braggot before? No, so a braggot is like, uh, I think it has to be at least, um, more than a third malt, so grain, and less than two thirds honey. But it's a honey combo with, um, with grain. Oh, nice. So it's kind of a nice little blending of worlds yeah, here. Sounds you know? good. Have you ever? Do you have any plans to to add mead to your repertoire of stuff for Mill Creek?
1: No, no. That's a hard no. Really? Why is that? I just got enough going on right now. I mean, um, so not getting into you know getting a brew license and mm. to get approved for all that i just
0: yeah I no think. no not right now but maybe is it on like some distant back burner i on
1: a distant back burner <laughs> you know, maybe. that might be the 10 15 year plan gotcha you know yeah. um once i get this dialed in and figured out which i got a ways to go um hey why not yeah you know we carry some products in the shop that that uh that contain our honey mm. you know so there's a chocolate in there and there's jams in there and soaps in there and stuff like that uh that other producers use I, I would love to carry a mead but i don't think i can
0: yeah the um
1: let's talk about that for
0: a second so you have all these ideas i see this I got a lot Yeah, a lot of, ideas. A lot of <laughs> ideas for you what has been your process through sifting through some of those and kind of just seeing hey you know, what wins too much wins too little. So for people that are listening who might have a business that's multi-pronged, I know, hey, listen, it's a lot. I want to do all this stuff. Maybe not just right now. In your experience, what have you learned in in that regard as far as picking certain things, dialing in, and then maybe some inklings of when to bring on a new line or a new product venture?
1: So I think for me, it's inverted. Mm. Because I, I just try on, everything. I took on a lot in the beginning. Uh, and now it's time to level off, mm. see what's working, uh, dial in our, you know, really, really uh, optimize the offerings we have, do a great job at that, and then maybe continue on with additional products. So that's, that's, that's me today feeling over, you know, having felt overwhelmed over the past couple of years, maybe trying to do too much. Mm. We, you know, we brought on the, so we were initially selling honey then we added workshops and we added corporate partnerships and we added pollination. We added to the, to our line of products, we added these creamed honeys, which have been awesome. Um, so it's time now to sort of level off, not add add any any uh, other channels or products, and um, really kind of see what works. Hmm. We, we we know they all work, right? But which ones are which ones are the most profitable? Which ones are the ones that make us feel the best, you know? To to do, yeah. what, Which ones mean the most, yep. uh, to us and to our customers, you know, that kind of thing. It all. It all plays in. It's not all just about dollars and cents. Um, So, yeah, I think this, so 2023 is kind of my year to um, step back, reassess things, continue to grow our, our customer base and, and uh, do some more marketing work on our SEO, try to drive more people to our website. So, but not really add any products, just Mm. try to bring more people to us to, to discover our products. Gotcha. Um, yeah, there's this
0: <clears throat> interesting thing and I get the sense from you that it's something that you actually enjoy, like working with the bees. So on, on this continuum of enjoyment and and business, sometimes you have to, at the end of the day, it's like, I can enjoy this and maybe I want to do it this way because I enjoy doing it this way the most. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's like, we have to be profitable. You know what I mean? We have to do this in order for us to continue doing this. Yeah. Um, have you had any struggles like that? Deciding like, Hey, I really wanted to do this thing, but it's, I couldn't do it because it wasn't good for the business.
1: Um, So I pretty early on brought on, I, so the people that, that my employees right now, phenomenal, but they came to me. And they came to me at times, pri- probably prior to when I really needed them, mm. but there was an opportunity there to bring them on, and utilize them, which helped me grow the business. So my apiary manager, um, he does the majority of the bees, uh, product, product manager. Uh, she makes most of the product and, 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 uh, it was just all stuff I was doing prior. There's no way I could have grown without those guys having having come to me. You know, she came to me at a time when I probably didn't need her, but I said, "Hey, you know, we can let's 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 work you in," hmm. and it quickly became which then freed me up to go find more business um, and to kind of fill that void, fill you know, be able to pay for that additional salary. So I went off on a tangent. I don't remember your question.
0: <laughs> so it's like Sorry. that that on that continuum between like something you'd love and profitability. You know what I mean? You realize that you have to be profitable. And so if there's something that, you know, you can't, at the end of the day, it's like in order to continue solving the problem that you set out to solve at the beginning, you have to continue to operate the business. It has to be a, a, a viable business. Um, so are there times or, or things that you were like, hey, this would be cool? And I guess we're kind of doing that with, you're saying that with the meat. It's like, hey, that'd be cool, but you know, not right now. You know what I mean? You're kind of getting better at like saying, hey, this stuff, I need to focus
1: on the profitability side a little bit there's a lot that would be cool uh you know it's it's when you realize you have to hire someone else to to implement that new product or to to go down that road of growth for me like that's what i have to pull back on hmm. um make things work with who we have maybe a little you know part time help here and there but um i kind of i feel like i've gotten ahead of myself a little bit in the past couple of years so my my goal for 23 is to step back, get back in the trenches a little bit. Um, I feel like our, 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 our spread, you know, our, the accounts we have, the, we're in a couple of supermarkets. Our customer base is solid enough that I can kind of step back and settle into and do more beekeeping, Mm. uh, do more with the product uh, development. So that's kind of my goal coming up is to is to because there's so much hairiness around putting a shoe up, you know, yeah. You're just going a mile a minute. And uh it's not fair to it's not fair to the company, it's not fair to my family, it's not fair to my employees. So to I feel like I'm at a point, and this, <laughs> you know, I may get into 23 and and this idea is it it's not what I think it's gonna be, mm-hmm. you know, and that happens all the time. It's not you, know, you think it's going to be something it ends up being different. But my goal is to kind of recommit to doing what I did and what I love to do and why I got into this business. Mm-hmm. You know, we're five years into it, um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but I but I feel like we've I've I've been kind of like high level running around mm-hmm. like crazy, trying to make you know everything work keep everything together keep the balls in the air and uh i need to kind of get out of that that mindset and by by hunkering down and get my hands into the bees a little bit more than i have been mm. that's going to be great for me and for the business
0: so how, how does this um i think you guys when did you guys open your retail location just 6
1: months ago 6 months ago yeah. and how's that been going it's been going great that's you great. know it's um it's fun to be part of the the business community in Medford. Um, just an awesome group of shops here, business owners. It's a great vibe in town now. I think uh, a little a little honey shop like ours fits in really well here. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know. You know, we mm-hmm. <laughs> the coffee shop moved out. Joe from Harvest said, uh, "Hey, are you looking for retail spot?" I said, no, not really. I don't don't think that makes sense for my business model. I don't think people are going to walk into a shop to buy honey when they can buy it online. Because we've got, you know, online they can go to the one of the shops that sell it. They can go to a farmer's market. Why is someone going to come into the shop? But what I found is that there's so many new customers. Like we're finding so many new people coming into the shop that never knew about us before, Mm. and that fires me up. Like that's it's. I just I didn't expect that. Uh, you know, because Medford's drawing people to it, um, just because of who we are in Medford and they're walking by and honey shop. That's cool. You know, it's unique. It's different. It's kind of like, you know, and our shop is set up so that people can come in, taste everything we have to offer. There's a honey tasting bar. And, uh, it's just been awesome to meet new people, to meet a lot of neighbors, a lot of people that live in town and just to kind of develop that community, um, Mm. around what we do. Yep. And to teach people about the awesome benefits of of honey because honey's not just a sweetener. It's so much more than that. And that's kind of our mission is to uh to you know, through our workshops and things like that, is to teach people what honey's about and what and all the all the other amazing things that come from honeybees. It's incredible what they produce. That's good for humans
0: let's uh let's dive into that because i'm very interested in that i've always heard that you know honey or and beeswax is one of these like superfoods, um and i would like to hear you know straight from the horse's mouth on you know some of this stuff so if you want to kind of give, give like your overview on we just heard the mission as far as mm-hmm. further education on some of these things and what those benefits are just kind of enlighten us on on what some of those things are as far as the most direct benefits and maybe all the ways that we're not
1: thinking about the mm-hmm. impact that bees have on everyone so uh how many like just off the top of your head how many how many things do you think bees produce that are good for us um uh, i would probably first number that came to your head i would say
0: 10 but now i feel like it's, it's hundreds or something like that
1: <laughs> it's like well it's less than 10 okay so <laughs> you're but normally people would say two maybe it's, yes. it's honey, honey, oh, and, honey and honey and beeswax got it There's about 6 six products i mean that are super medicinal there's honey beeswax pollen pollen that you know uh so honey beeswax pollen there's uh bee venom so bee venom therapy hmm. is a very powerful medicine uh, you've got um royal jelly um i'm forgetting one propolis so propolis, I don't know if you've seen it in some of these higher-end health food stores. Um, they make a tincture with propolis. And propolis is a, a tree resin that the the bees collect, bring back to the hive in order to, um, they kind of coat the inside of the hive with it. They, they create this envelope mm-hmm. around their nest, around their colony, and it's super antibacterial and antimicrobial. So the individual bee has a very weak immune system. But as a superorganism with this propolis around them, um, there's no mold, there's no uh, there's no uh, bacteria mm-hmm. growing in the hive, and it's very moist environment in there. So this propolis is super powerful for them, but for us as a medicine, amazing for for just anti-inflammatory, anti um, microbial, bacterial. So for throat infections, it's a really like these propolis sprays, get back to that, um, are, are amazing for your throat just to soothe your throat, to soothe coughs. Um, so we got the propolis, we've got, uh, honey, honey is, it's been used for as medicine for thousands of years, going back to ancient Greece, China, Egypt. Um, and it's, it's got vitamins, minerals, enzymes. Um, it's great for digestion, organ health, skin health. It's good to eat it inside your body. It's great on your skin. It helps cuts, wounds, burns heal twice as fast as any any other medicine. Hmm. Uh, because what honey does is it keeps so on your skin. It keeps the mo- uh, the uh, wound, and they and they use it in hospitals but it keeps the wound moist. It allows the wound to weep. So weep the lymph, which is a, which is a crucial aspect to healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it keeps it bacteria free because antibacterial and it, and honey produces hydrogen peroxide at the site of the wound.
0: Interesting. I, didn't, I really, so,
1: yeah. So there's a, um, there's a mechanism that happens. So, so it's not, it doesn't have hydrogen peroxide in it or, Uh, it hasn't been converted to hydrogen peroxide. The glucose hasn't been converted to hydrogen peroxide until it's on the wound because the the moisture or the enzyme in our skin uh, breaks down the glucose into hydrogen peroxide. So it becomes this antibacterial environment. Interesting.
0: Unbelievable. That is kind of wild. Um, That's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. And so, you know, that's not something that we've just known in the past hundred years. It's you know, thousands of years they've been using it as, uh, as wound dressing. So, hmm. so if we get back to some of those old, you know, those those um, ancient medicines, honey is is prevalent in in all of those.
0: Is is that why you hear like people using like sugar in like wars for for like wounds and stuff like that? It could it could be? Yeah, you know, that, that same yeah. glucose yeah wound you know right. catalyst that breaks it down. You know, I mean, that's interesting.
1: There were certain tribes or or groups that would. Travel with a lot of honey with them for that purpose, for um, for wound healing and for energy. So, honey, even for athletes, honey is an amazing energy source. It's glucose and fructose. Uh, it's not sucrose. So, your body has to break down sucrose into glucose and fructose. That that breakdown is what's what's bad for us. It's what makes sucrose bad for us. Um, in really simple terms. The fact that honey is is already broken down, it's glucose and fructose. It's easily absorbed by our body. Um, it's prebiotic and probiotic. So some of those sugars uh, and and compounds um, feed the bacteria in our gut, and some um, and it also contains a ton of bacteria that's you know probiotic. But um, as an energy source, it's got it gives you the uh, a sustained energy release. The glucose. So athletes, you know, I've had people, you know, personally tell me that it really helps them with their cardio workouts, the longevity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's pretty amazing
0: stuff. No, this is really cool. Cause I, I've, uh, you know, I've known this like anecdotally, you know yeah. what I mean? You've heard it or seen it or whatever, but it's really helpful to actually sit down and go through it. You know what I mean? Understand why these things are being touted about honey. Um,
1: even just. You know, if you can get a tablespoon of honey, you know, the allergy benefits, right? We hear about honey for allergy relief. Oh yeah. It, it, it now it hasn't been scientifically proven, but you talk about anecdotal evidence. Mm. I have so many customers that say they get off Claritin, get off Allegra. They get off these over-the-counter medications because they're taking honey and their allergy, you know, tell me their allergies are horrible. They've never been able to get off medications and this I'm hearing, you hear it all the time. So it's, it's the anti-inflammatory aspect of honey um, as well as the pollens. That's the belief that the pollens that are in the honey, your body's starting to see those pollens and won't react as severely to them. Mm. Um, So honey for, for allergies, for inflammation, for the vitamins and minerals, just getting, getting some honey into your diet, whether it's through sticking it in your, your salad dressing or putting it in your smoothies or just eating a spoon of it. I put it in my coffee every morning. Um, Just get it somehow worked into your diet. We need to start seeing honey as truly as a medicine, you know? Yeah. The the,
0: the probiotic stuff is really um, something I've been looking at because as far as gut health, Because I think a lot of people, there's, um, with the number of medications that have, so someone gets sick or whatever, it'll put you on an antibiotic. And over time, like, that's not good for gut health. Right? I mean, you're kind of destroying all these good bacteria, all these other enzymes that are there. But if we can somehow repopulate that by introducing these things again, introducing these wild bacteria, introducing these enzymes back into the stomach... Again, I'm I'm no scientist in this area, but anecdotally and you know logically, that makes a lot of sense to me. You have to kind of reintroduce that so that the gut functions better. I, th- I think I think gut health is one of the biggest determinants of overall health.
1: Is what is your gut doing? That's what they say. They, so, you know, that's, there's a lot of evidence coming out uh, about yeah. that. So honey, with its with the bacteria that that are in honey. Now again, I'm not a scientist, but the the beneficial so so bacteria can't live in honey because it's so low in moisture. And it's pretty acidic. Mm. So because of those two factors, bacteria, the, the harmful bacteria, don't live in it. Somehow the beneficial bacteria uh, can, there are some beneficial bacteria that, that can stay in the honey and that's what helps repopulate your gut. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, let's kind of rewind this because I really want to go back to um, the business side. When you first, we're looking at purchasing the business.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, now, from a business owner perspective, what was going through your head? So, if people out there are like, "Hey, I'm interested," or if someone in in my area is selling a business, I've always wanted a business like that, and I could potentially purchase this business. What are some of the thought processes that you went through when purchasing the business?
1: I, um, you know, you you what we've just been talking about with the medicinal benefits, I really felt like we. Could fill a space in the health and wellness uh, area with honey. If we could get the word out about the health benefits, I feel like, and I still feel like, there's a huge opportunity there. Um, Before you bought it, was, was was it
0: involved in doing all of the product stuff, or ju- was just the hives themselves?
1: It was just honey, just uh, just honey hives and honey and a lot less than so we've we've grown our apiaries uh you know so so it, it was it was a lot smaller than it is now um but they weren't doing they weren't doing the line of products we have uh the educational stuff the workshops any of that pollination um so we've uh we've moved into that but so to me, uh, and there was there's no, there was no manual, there was no book, there was no uh, how-to about a beekeeping business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really kind of had to go with my gut. Um, like I had said before, I had some accounting and 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 business, um, you know, education or, or or just knowledge, just from what I have done in the past. And uh, I just felt like. You know, we we plugged some numbers in. Uh, felt as though we could. There was already a, a customer base. There was a website which we've we've overhauled and changed. But again, there was an opportunity there. But we knew that from the from that base customer uh, and revenue that they had at the time that we could. We threw some numbers at it and thought we could grow to X amount. Um, and it was worth it. I just felt like there was a, there was a market for it. Um, I knew there was a market for it, Talked to some people, you know, we talked it through a ton, um, myself, my wife and, and, and some others. And, uh, just felt like there was a lot of room. It's not like there's no, there aren't a lot of honey producers in the area. Uh, there's, so you kind of come down to the questions of sort of why, why this product, you know, why now? Right. And why, and why me? Like, why, why are people going to buy from us? What do we need to do in order to, to satisfy why this, why now? And why me? Um, We just talked about the health benefits, honey. Uh, So that kind of solved the why this and why now, because we're, we're, you know, our, our, our population is uh, in need of, of healthy sustainable products and, um, so it was kind of a, it was, we went a bit of it on a, on a wing and a prayer and, um, and uh, just kind of went for it. And we mm-hmm. knew, you know, it's not as if we jumped off, borrowed, borrowed a million dollars and got ourselves into a pickle. I mean, we've, we've grown organically. We haven't, we haven't used, uh, uh you know, luckily we haven't, we've been able to, this, the business has been able to sustain its own growth mm. financially. So we're in. It, we've always been in a safe place. Uh, I think we went into it saying, "Hey, if it we 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 know we know it's going to work. If it doesn't work, we can we can go a different direction. We can kind of regroup and kind of go back to mm. go back to what we were doing before. So yep. it wasn't that much of a risk. Gotcha. Oh um, yeah, that's that. That was kind of a thought. Yeah, maybe a bit of a wing. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I think
0: that's it's going to happen. Like you, you're never going to yeah. have like a hundred percent guarantees in, in business. You know what I mean? You kind of have to assess the situation, see, okay, is this a good risk or not? And yeah, if it is, then, then make moves on it. But
1: which is every single step that you take Mm -hmm. every single step is you, you have to assess the the risk and reward. And, and if, you know, you always have to ask yourself, Hey, if this doesn't work out, are are we going to be hurt by it? Can we recover from it? And uh you you know, you move forward, but Mm. you don't have, I mean, there's so much about what we're doing. And the other the other part of this whole process that is intense is the um it's not the negativity, but it's the questioning. It's the you know, people um you know, you sort of have to for me, I have to trust my own gut. I have to say, hey, you know what? We're gonna go for this, we're gonna try this new thing, we're gonna try something different. Because the feedback that you get through that process is not always supportive of the idea, you know, yeah, uh, so it's it's kind of powering through my for me, my insecurities about you know because you want everyone to rally around your idea, sure, yeah. and even with the shop, it was like, you, know, you get you get some people rallying around it and some people are like, eh, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, you just would have to go for it
0: it is it's important because I was talking to someone the other day and they were talking about how. Years ago, they, they had a business opportunity, and everyone was very gung-ho. They talked to it about. So yeah. almost in the opposite way, Yeah, they were, maybe instead of trusting their gut to say, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this, yeah. they were being so supportive, they just kind of went with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it goes to show that no matter the occasion of what anybody else is saying, whether it's supportive or not, you kind of still have to be willing to trust your gut.
1: And be willing to, right. And your gut's not going to be right every time. Right. I mean, you just, you're going to fail or you're not going to be quite right about something or you're not, it's not going to matter to people as much as you think it's going to matter. So you have to know that you're, you're going to have to adjust a little bit down the line or, or know you can bail out. You sort of go into it knowing, all right, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And that's what I was saying about the business. I mean, sort of, it was a calculated risk. Mm.
0: And you also have to see what, what the real downside is at the end of the day. It's like, you know, If you're putting everything on the line and there was no other alternatives, then you're talking a big risk. But at the end of the day, it's like if someone wanted to start a business and they did and it didn't work out, I mean, you can always just go get a job again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, So as long as you don't,
1: yeah, as long as you don't bite off more than you can chew. I mean, I think that would be the biggest thing for me. If anybody asked me about it, if you can, if you can grow organically, or you can, and you, you can fund your own business without having to pay the debt service mm. on a massive loan. You feel like you need to take out in order to make this thing work. I mean, that that's play it, play it kind of safe. You I mean, mm. get to a point where you feel more justified making those, those jumps. I, I can't say I'm there yet, but I feel like I'm, you know, maybe in the next couple of years, we're going to be at a point where we need to talk about some bigger investment, you know, and we, might, we may not be able to fund it at that point. Mm-hmm. So, um, but at that point, I know that I've already got a a basis to, to work off of uh, and I feel a little more secure in doing it again. This is in the future and that's my expectation, but um, I think you just need to take every step of step of the journey mm. and yeah and, and kind of assess each each situation individually.
0: yeah. so the the name of this show is you know, leverage and beverage for a reason. We like to talk about points of leverage or things that have that business owners have been able to leverage to be in a more favorable position. One that we, what we touched on earlier um, was hiring. I, I call this the hiring catch twenty two because it's a situation where you didn't really need somebody but in almost retrospect, you did need somebody. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you don't quite need somebody yet. I see this all the time where people, they, they, they need to, to grow, but in order to grow, they need to hire somebody in order to hire somebody. They need to have more income, but in order to have more income, they need to grow. You know So it's like like a cyclical thing. Right. And so it's almost like this very, very tedious, like one foot in front of the other type thing while that's going on, because you're paying this person who's doing this job, but you are, you are hopefully growing at, at a good clip. Um, but like looking back in your situation or what you've told me, it seems like in retrospect, that was a hundred percent the
1: right decision. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, luckily, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't, you know, I didn't hire, I didn't hire someone years before I needed them, but hiring someone to like it, it's funny cause it gave me the, it gave me that breathing room. It gave me the, the ability to go expand, like having that. And yeah, there's that expense. That's tough at first. And, uh, that, 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 that's a, that's a equation. That's tough to get through, you mm-hmm. know, what you were just talking about. But, um, those moves definitely panned out to be, good moves luckily and the fact that the the people that came to me wanting to work in this you know call it this industry mm. doing what we do really wanted to be here so that you know I hear it's so hard for people to find good good people right now right mm. um I don't have to go out and find I don't have to put postings up I don't have to try to draw people to me I've got people that come to me that want to work to do this because it's a unique, and I feel lucky about that. It's a unique thing that we do that resonates with people. They want to be a part of it. And um, so yes. So they came to me early. It was a good move to bring them on. It panned out the numbers panned out, but that was kind of, you know, lucky. Mm. I can't say it was all calculated. Sure. You know, he sort of all right, we've got we've got this asset. How are we going to use it to our? I guess we're going to leverage it. Yeah, yeah. I guess, <laughs> I, I guess
0: I guess the really positive thing is, you know, I'm sure lots of business owners struggle from time to time with, are my employees excited about their work? Do they actually want to be here? Mm. And it's like you don't. That's a good problem. And people are coming to you to want to work for you because you're they're they're already almost bought into the cause.
1: Yeah, on a on a on a broader on a higher level, yes. I mean, you still have the day-to-day sure. challenges. Things you gotta. You know, there's, there's, there's always that. That's just humans. Um, but yeah, they that totally grateful for that, and uh, and I wouldn't be here uh, if it weren't for for them. And I'm sure you know any any business owner can say the same thing. But I think we all feel grateful for for mm. the people that that make us who we are.
0: Um. So for you, why why bees? I know you said you got into it a while back. You had your mentor. Um, what was the the thought process when you initially got into it? It wasn't as as a business. Yeah. It was kind of as this other side. Just as a hobby. Yeah, as a yeah. hobby. Right. So what what was the impetus for you to kind of start that?
1: Or at least what, what inclined you to get involved? So I had a, uh, before I got very busy, um, was an avid organic gardener. So we mm-hmm. had a big garden in the back. Um, just something I love to do. It's relaxing, get my, my hands in the ground in the soil. And, uh, so I heard about beekeeping and I was like, huh, that's that, you know, in terms of the pollination, like, let me, uh, it's interesting. It's intriguing the bees themselves, but let's see what it does for the garden. So, um, that was really, it was just an experiment. I feel like so much of this, I say that a lot is an experiment um, and we're going to see how it goes. But uh, one thing led to another got a colony of bees um, failed for the first couple of years. Uh, it helped help the garden tremendously. Like the, that, that part of it was hmm. pretty substantial. And, um, but the keeping of the bees was the challenging part. And uh, that's why, you know, anybody who's getting into beekeeping, we, we, recommend a certain, certain path to take and to expect that there might be some failures along the way, but it was just kind of a weird, kind of a weird hobby that, that, that intrigued me. I heard about it. Uh, and it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's a really relaxing, it's fun. It's relaxing. It's interesting. There's a ton that we can learn from the bees. Of course you get honey. If you do things right, you get a crop of honey. Um, but it's just managing insects in that way manipulating insects and an insect that's super docile gentle awesome great for us and our environment and our ecosystem and biodiversity like all these things if you care about the environment and care about your food source um care about animals and insects and things like that it's just a really cool fun uh, hobby to get, get into. I recommend it for, for anybody.
0: Um, what would you say is like the, like, I'm, I'm kind of curious myself. It's like, what do you do when you, when you beekeep? I I've seen people before they have like the hives, Mm -hmm. they're pulling, you know, those, uh, what are they called frames, the frames out. Um, what's actually happening there? What's, what's like the day-to-day work involved in keeping a hive?
1: So bees exist to, um, they're what they're doing all they're, they're bringing hunt. They're bringing nectar and honey and pollen. You're correct that they're bringing nectar back to the hive, turning it into honey. They're bringing pollen back to the hive uh, as their protein source. So that the honey is their carbohydrates, pollen's their protein and they're, they're hoarders. So they're going to bring back as much as they can during the winter, the summer months so that they can survive the winter months. So there's an ebb and flow to their, their size. So in the spring they, they blow up summer there, there could be 50, 60,000 bees per colony. Uh, in the winter, there might be 10 000 to 15,000 bees. So there's, they, they grow in the spring because they want to swarm. They want to, that's the reproductive cycle. They want to cast off a swarm in the spring and and create two colonies out of one. And then come in the, the fall and the winter, they're, going down to maybe a soccer ball sized cluster and just hunkering down for the winter. Mm. They raise winter bees that, that live for about, you know, four to four to five months, whereas a normal bee only lives for about six weeks. So they're raising different bees to get them through the winter, which have a lot more fat on them. Mm. Um, So through that, so beekeeping is, is making sure that, that the bees have what they need in order to, produce honey in order to be healthy um, making sure they have enough space, making sure they have nectar sources to access that they have water sources to access. So when you're going uh into a into a hive you're checking all that you're checking you know their lives they're they're like livestock so their diseases, uh, viruses things we need to check for their health to make sure they're not getting sick. And we have to medicate them if they're getting sick. We have mm. to feed them if they're getting hungry. Uh so when you're keeping bees, you're going in and, and checking, you're pulling out those frames, making sure they have that the queen is is viable, that she's that she's laying eggs, that she's laying enough, that they're that there's no disease, that they have enough honey, that they have enough pollen, that they have enough space in the hive to grow. Uh and since we're putting them in a box and they don't have access to an entire tree cavity as they would in the mm-hmm. wild. We have to make sure they have enough space, but we can't give them too much space at one time. Like you can't give them five boxes high or could be because they can't manage that much space. They can't, they can't manage the climate control. They can't manage other insects that may come mm-hmm. in and, and uh, you know, the pests. So you have to give them enough space, but not too much space. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's basically it. You're just trying to keep their their size, trying to keep them robust enough that they can make a good honey crop for you, but not too robust that they want to swarm. Because if they cast off a swarm, then you kind of lose your honey crop for that year. And the swarm is what we see. It's like you see a big ball of bees on a a fence post or a tree limb in Mm. the spring, especially. We get a lot of calls. Uh And so that's the bees they've cast off half of their colony with the old queen because each colony only has one queen typically there's some exceptions to that but so they cast off uh, half the colony with the old queen and then she, they go and find a new home where in the in the home location they're raising a new queen she's just about to emerge so she emerges in the old spot and becomes you know through a process of mating and things like that she becomes their new queen so now we have two colonies in the wild, but as a beekeeper, you don't want that to happen. So you mm. sort of have to manage to to make sure that that they don't swarm.
0: Um, where does the queen come from? This might sound like a, a yeah. weird question, but there's always like one queen, and it's slightly bigger, and the rest of them are are just, you know, nor, normal size. Look, this is just a you know an outsider's perspective. Why aren't there more queens, or are there more queens? Like, what 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 happens
1: there? Yeah, because the queens they they fight and one will kill the other. Mm. So they 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 kind of fight to the death if there are two queens in there. Um, there are some colonies that do exist with with more than one queen, but it's rare. Uh, so you have the queen, you have worker bees, which are all females, and you have drones, which are the males. Mm. Uh, the males exist on this earth to mate with queens. They don't do any, they're, they're, they're not beneficial to the colony at all. They just go out once a day um, in the middle of the day. Go up to drone congregation areas, which are these pockets of drones that are just you know uh, flying up mm-hmm. in in certain areas in the sky. And when the queens come out of the hive to mate, which happens you know once you know, they're going to come out for one one mating flight, typically, they the queen goes up to these areas and flies through this pocket of drones and gets mated as many times as she can. And she comes back to the hive and uh, she can now lay fertilized eggs. Hmm. So fertilized eggs become worker bees, unfertilized eggs become drones, the males. So the males, again, they, they exist only to mate. Um, they eat their drain on the hive. They eat the the honey and, and so forth. So they all get kicked out in the winter. So the, the cluster that overwinters is just worker bees, just females. And then come spring, the queen will lay more unfertilized eggs to, to regain that drone population. So mm. so if there are multiple queens, which there will be when the colony trying to raise another queen, um, there could be multiple queens, but one will fight the others to the death. So w- yeah. what's the difference between a queen and uh, a drone, I guess? so queen worker drone so the difference between the queens and the worker the queen and workers are both females
0: okay sorry right? sorry i meant i meant worker yeah. so the difference between a, a queen and a worker is they're both females but why is the queen so much larger and what what produces a new queen
1: so it's what the queen is fed so you've heard of royal jelly oh so this is where yeah in the hive they um all all bee larvae get fed royal jelly for a certain period of their life. It's just a few days, the workers, mm. and then they switch over to a different diet. The queen gets fed royal jelly for her entire life. What is royal jelly? It's a, it's a substance that's created by the bees in a, by a, it, there's a gland on the mm. bee that produces this very nutritious um, substance that gets fed. You know, that's why it's highly nutritious. gets fed to the young. At an early age, because, you know, because the queen gets fed royal jelly for her entire development period, it allows her to develop her uh, reproductive organs hmm. and, and get bigger. But then even through her life, she's fed royal jelly. She actually doesn't do anything for herself. She's fed pampered, pampered, <laughs> very, you know. Feed her, they take her Wait on her hand and in, foot, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, she just lays eggs, yeah. she only lays about 2,000 a day. But, but <laughs> oh, that's, that's... <laughs> that's that's chump stuff, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, did that answer your question about the queens? Oh, yeah,
0: like I, I always wondered, I was like, well, that answers it perfectly, actually, because that's why. So, there must be something in from that gland that, that she's in, that makes her grow larger that allows her to do that
1: and to get the reproductive organs that makes her exactly. queen. Exactly. Yeah. All the other worker bees don't have the, that reproductive. Interesting. Ability.
0: I've always wondered, I was like, well, if, if they're just reproducing normally, wouldn't there be like a ton of queens? You know what I mean? But yeah. okay. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um. So for, for you in, in your day to day right now, what's the course of that look like? You, we talked before about how you you're kind of wearing a bunch of hats at this yeah. point. Um, so what does is, what is a day in the life of Jason Schaff look like?
1: It's pretty scary. Yeah, I, I want to hear all about it. Oh man, it's ugly. No, it's not. It, so it's, um, I feel like there's a lot of, it, you know, I'm sort of filling in gaps everywhere. I'm doing a lot of, uh, whether it's uh, material purchasing, um, talking to customers, talking to wholesale accounts, dealing with social media, um, dealing with my finances, you know, try to keep up on that on a daily, on a daily basis. Um, supporting my staff where they need it. Uh, you know, I'll jump in and, and help, you know, because they get overwhelmed I mean, you know, they're, they're, so I'm helping with that. So it's, I'm kind of all, I'm not, I'm not in one place or two places at all day ever. I feel like I'm all over the place, you know, picking up materials. um, So it's all these little, little places that need to be filled in through the business. Mm. And I'm I'm kind of that, that, that guy right now. And I probably always will be, I don't, I don't see how it's not. The only thing I think I could probably offload is some of the, and I don't do a lot of social media. I'm really not that great at it. Mm. I would love to do a lot more, but, um, but dealing with that, you know, that takes a lot of time. Yeah. Um, responding to comments, uh, responding to emails, uh, you know, it's just all these little things that take up, take up so much time in the day. Mm. So you go at the end of the day, i like, what did I, what did I accomplish today? I know. You know, I, I yeah. uh, a little frustrating, but, but it's also, it, it's got to happen. You know, there's, there's like, I know I've got some solid people doing, doing solid work, but it's kind of bridging the gap between those. And, uh, and then it's coming up with, you know, maybe new product, new product ideas. Let's try new packaging. Let's talk, you know, I got to talk to the graphics guy about this, you know, or did, just did a fundraiser. So doing the fundraiser and getting the word out about that and doing the advertising for it and coming up with a, advertising uh piece to go in a publication like all that stuff kind of takes i know time. <laughs> and it's not i'm not proficient at like truly um what is it, it, it you know uh, what is it master of a master of none like I, i'm not I'm jack, not, of, all jack of all trades master of none um i feel like <laughs> that a lot sort of can't really dig into something and I'm not, mm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not proficient at social media or, or, yeah. So you, so you draw on the right people to help you with things, but you still have to be the go between, you know, in all of that. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't quite nail down the life the day in the life of, cause it's always different and mm. it's, um, I feel like I'm kind of all over the place. I wish I had a little bit more of a, a, a set schedule, but I just don't think, my business is that type of business. Hmm. You know, we're not in one place. Um, not dealing with just a few customers. We are, you know, our bees are all over the place, customers are all over the place. And uh we're just, you know, I I think that's gonna kind of be be my uh my life. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm
0: okay with it. Yeah. No, I, I've run into that problem too. It's like there are when are, there's when you have a small business with a few employees and there's so many things to be done, um, you find yourself contact switching constantly. Mm. And that's just in the nature of some businesses. Like some businesses, even as you scale, I think that will always be there. Um, So it's like, well, what what is there anything I can do to mitigate that? Like at least, uh, because there's a thing, I forget who coined it. Um, it's a really good book uh, called Deep Work by Cal Newport. I don't know if you've ever read it or not, uh, but he talks about yeah. setting aside time to to work deeply, to think about strategic problems, whether that's just you know more philosophical for things related to, um, you know, uh, mental endeavors like you know knowledge based academia, or if it's other things like related to business, like what am I going to do for this business problem, and people are so focused on uh, switching back and forth so much that there's this stuff called, um, contact residue Mm -hmm. that like when you leave an activity, um, it takes you longer to get into another activity. Or if Mm -hmm. they say you leave an activity, do something else, then come back to it. It takes you time to get back to that deep work that you were doing before. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's like a a detriment to your overall overall productivity by constantly moving back and forth. Um, And so I I just really like resonated with me. So I was like, okay, how do I do this? And so um, I've tried to, I mean, there are certain things where I'm all over the place, but I try to limit it to be like, hey, from this hour to this hour, I'm doing just administrative follow-up. So maybe it's calls to return or emails to respond to. And that could be spread out throughout the day, but instead of letting it kind of Mm -hmm. just trickle in wherever Mm -hmm. I lump them all together into one section Mm -hmm. and be like, okay, let's do this here. There might be some running around to do. I got to go here, do errands, or whatever. Okay, well, let's kind of put those things in a box together, right? Um, and I don't know. It, I, I think there's a lot of uh, validity to it, just from again more anecdotal than anything. But I think what the stuff in deep work is more um, science based. That it does I take mean, you a while to get back into those those deep work scenarios when you do leave them for something else.
1: 100. I mean, it's kind of the uh, the uh, production line mentality. I mean, if you're yeah. if you're you're focused on one task. You're going to be much more efficient at that one task. than if you're doing five tasks and trying to do them all. Uh, So by having one person doing five tasks or five people doing one task, each it's far more efficient to have five people doing one task. And I think it might kind of be the same thing. Um, I feel that same way. You know, I, I, I do feel very inefficient. uh, Having to switch Mm. constantly. So maybe I'll look into this deep work. Uh, there's, it's, to, honestly, it's. I, I
0: think it's. It's one of the better. Um, if you want to put it, it's not really quite in the self help category, but yeah, I've heard of it. There's, there's, yeah. there's a. Um, there's just so much. It's so well written. It's just very good, and I, it's, it's helped me a lot. Um, but it makes it makes you think about, you know, in the aggregate, if you're doing that every day, what how much what, you're losing? What's the total time of what I'm losing? But yeah. I also think it makes makes you feel more productive too, because you're like, well, that's the thing,
1: because you're getting yeah, you're getting these little inefficient little uh tasks done i've heard that there is that that pleasure that you get for dopamine whatever whatever that is that makes you feel good makes you feel really uh, like you're accomplishing. it's almost like a snowball effect you know what i mean
0: you kind of do one oh okay okay you you're you kind of just grow this snowball of tasks being completed right
1: but at the end of it all you're like you know really wasn't that much that you accomplished yeah uh, Wow. so i i I definitely, uh, definitely improve on on that one as well as,
0: yeah, I mean, I, I I can too. I I definitely get sucked into things and and it's very hard uh, this day and age where you're constantly being like pinged and, you know, buzzed here and there for (laughs) immediate immediacy. You know what I mean? And so you get very little time to write separation from, Hey, I need to give me two hours just to go think about the direction the business should go. But if you're just heads down, you might be running in the wrong direction and not even know it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, to that point, I, um, I just added a chat feature to my website.
2: Hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is that great? Does that, come, great? does that come to you? But I don't know if I'm going to be able to actually like settle down for some deep work. Yeah. It comes to me. Okay. Because I want it. I'm still in this, you know, I'm still the guy it should come to. Right. Uh, because I've got the most information or I've got the most, the broadest range of, you know, like knowledge about if somebody asks a question about a specific question about a product or how it's made or why this, why that I can. So that's been, it's been great because people can reach me immediately if they're, if they're on the website and they have a question about anything, they just hit that chat button mm. and uh, it pings me. It sends me a text, sends me an email. <laughs> <laughs> uh I do like having it, but it's, it's just one more thing. One more thing you got to deal with. That's unexpected. Um, so I got some things to figure out for sure. You know, this uh, is not, not a hundred percent sustainable, but that's, that's what this is all about. You know, maybe in, in a few years, I'll have uh, somebody that can help me with all these, these little bits and pieces. Sure. So
0: if you were, um, looking forward now. I think you have a plan for 2023. It sounds like as far as, you know, taking a step back slightly on mm-hmm. the exploratory stuff and really dialing in on what are we currently doing? What's working mm-hmm. and going deeper on that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your vision for Mill Creek, let's say, you know, five years out, what do you want this to be? Um, and in an, in an ideal world,
1: Uh, I can't say it's that I want it to be much different than it is now. Um, Hmm. I would like to reach more people. I'd like to um, educate more people about what we do, why we do it, why it's good for them. But I think that's just more of a function of um, having more staff and maybe having more product. But I think we're, I don't want to be, you know, there's some beekeeping outfits that are, have 10, 20,000 hives. Well, you know, we're in the, we're in the hundreds, not thousands. And, um, I don't think that's where I want to be, but I, but I do love the education part. I do love the workshop part. Um, I think there's a, you know, so I'd like to, to do more of that, but it's tough to say. (laughs) Yeah, You think about, you know, cause we're all, we're all just, how can I say, yeah, I want to kind of cap it at, I want to cap it at this size and not, not grow anymore. Like that's, I I could never even say that. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, I certainly, you know, there's, there's, there's growth that is still a place I need to get to, to, to feel like I, I made it there, but I don't know if that's, you know, it's kind of like life, you know, you certainly keep, keep going for this this pie in the sky that you never quite get there. You know, you never quite reach the point that you think you're going to reach mm-hmm. earlier on. And uh, yeah, I, I I hope there's a point at which I'm, I feel satisfied with mm-hmm. what I'm doing. I feel, I feel great about what we're doing, but I, I definitely need more um, more focus and to kind of get to a point, like I said, I think we're getting there, but get to a point where it's sort of, dialed in Mm. sort of, but I can't say, um, that I want to be much different in terms of what we do than we are today. Like I, I still, I love producing honey. I love pollinating crops for local farmers. I love educating people. And, um, you know, I love raising bees and selling them to people who need to want to start their own colony. Like that's kind of our, that's kind of our, our suite of, of, uh, products, you know? Yeah what we offer. And, um, I like that. It's just be a matter of increasing the, the volume of that, I guess, you know,
0: I think it's a good place to be. I think the the fact that you use the word love a lot is good. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people Mm. wish they were in that position where it's like, they could say that, Oh, I I do love this. Even though it's a a struggle, even though there's high, very high highs and very low lows, Mm -hmm. it's good that that resonates with you in that way. Um, yeah,
1: today I still love what I'm doing. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. But I do love what I'm doing. Yeah. And we'll see what happens with the shop. I mean, maybe we maybe we open another location, mm. you know, a few years down the line. I don't know. If that's something that seems to catch on, there aren't that many honey shops in this area, in the state. I mean, there's none in the area, but uh there's only a few in the state. So maybe that's something else we do if, if it seems like people like it. Again, it's a bit of an experiment. So yeah. we'll see what happens here in the next, you know, coming into the holiday season. It's our first holiday season with the shop. Oh, nice. Very cool. So yeah, we'll see what happens through uh the next couple of months where we end up. Yeah. I want to talk real quick about, um,
0: I have a couple of questions for a quick question round, but I also yeah. want to go into um, some of the discrepancies in honey and where it's from. So uh, we spoke brief about this before, Um but a lot of honey that people get, especially from overseas, isn't all honey. It might be cut with something else. Okay. Um, talk about that a little bit, and then because I'm, I'm guessing once that happens, you're also losing a lot of the health benefits that we spoke about before. Right. Um, so maybe just speak to that. What, what's like the what's the Wait, overall so global like, um, I guess, scene for honey?
1: So the optimal honey to eat is a local raw honey. Meaning it's from your area, within you know we say within seventy five miles. So as long as the trees and plants and 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 that are, are the same, then you're gonna get those pollens because that's what you want in your honey. So a local honey, a raw honey is not heated, overheated. So we will warm our honey in order to process it, but not above what the bees, you know, how warm the honey would be in the wild. Mm. So it's still raw, raw honey maintains the microbes, enzymes, vitamins, minerals, all that goodness that makes it so healthy for us. That's what's in raw honey. So local raw honey. Now there's organic honey out there. There's, uh, you know, honey from Canada and, and South America there's a lot of honey coming in through China. And that's where the problem lies. That's my understanding of where, where so, so countries will ship their honey through China where it's getting watered down with corn syrup mm. or other, or other products. And then coming to the US as a, you know, as a, you know, we, some, some of it says honey product, mm. but most of it just says honey problem with that for someone like me is that it's coming in at such a cheap rate it really like lowers the honey market if we were if if the U.S was producing we we only produce a small fraction of the honey that we consume in the U.S hmm. we import a ton of honey it's so by importing it that cheap stuff we're it's hurting guys like like me because I there's only so much I you know I can't I can't charge 30 bucks a pound for honey I mean I I think for the effort and what honey represents and the fact how so medicinal it is and if it's treated properly, if it's processed properly, honey should command a pretty high price. Hmm. Um, South Jersey is one of the the lowest priced areas for honey. It's pretty frustrating. Uh, You go even up to central North Jersey, you get even further north than that. Um, Guys are getting twice as much as me for their honey. So, but in terms of um, what you're saying, like globally. So that's what's happening with the honey. We're getting a lot of honey into this country that's that's cut, like you said. Uh, so it doesn't have the health benefits. It's not raw. A lot of these larger producers will heat, overheat honey so it can get processed quicker. So it goes through the machines like water. Um, they microfilter it. So it's a very clean, uh, clear honey that's less likely Mm -hmm. to crystallize. So people, when they look at honey on the shelf, they don't want to see a cloudy honey. They don't want to see, uh, they want it to be crystal clear. At least that's, you know, the the general thing. Now people buying clover honey in the store, they don't want it to look cloudy, it looks bad. Even people think that crystallized honey, you know, if we sell someone honey, local, raw, natural, uh, very unprocessed honey, is going to crystallize most likely. There are some nectar sources. Uh, there's Some honeys that won't crystallize, they're less likely to crystallize, but when crystallization starts happening, people think it's bad. I've heard people say, oh yeah, I threw out that jar of honey because it had it was crystals and I didn't think it was any good anymore. Crystallized honey is just as good as it was on day one. Super uh, delicious. You can spread it at that point. It's kind of what our creamed honeys are, is like a crystallized mm-hmm. honey, but real ours are real smooth, whereas... The honey crystal is real chunky. Um, so that's why the, the larger producers will process their honey this much. Uh, so it looks good on the shelf.
2: Hmm.
1: And then you have organic honey. So the USDA doesn't have uh, a designation or rules around, um, but they don't have a designation for organic honey. So you really can't produce a honey in the U.S. and call it organic. Uh, because you have to be able to certify that those bees haven't visited a flower. That's, that's uh, non-organic or that's, you know, that, that hasn't been altered in some way. (laughs) Um, You know, it's it's, non-GMO, like they can't, they can't visit any, they have to visit all flowers that are non-GMO. It's it's an an impossible impossible task. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Because bees can forage for three to, you know, four, four, mile radius. So they're going quite a distance. So you have to be able to prove that everything that they've, that they have access to is, is organic. Um, So any organic honey that you see in the store is from usually from Canada or South America. Hmm. So, I mean, that's that for us, that's why we're, we're providing the best honey product that you can get just hands down. You might be able to find it from a different, neck, you know, a honey that's like a chestnut honey or a Tupelo honey from different parts of the world or different parts of the country, different nectar sources. It's like a Tupelo honey is from the the Southeast, like Georgia, Florida area. And it's a swamp tree and the beekeepers have to put their hives on barges, float them out into the swamp so the bees have access to uh, these tree blossoms, Hmm. the Tupelo tree blossoms. So it's an expensive honey. It's a nutritious honey, but it's very specific to that area. So, I mean, if you want to get those specialized honeys um, that we don't produce in this area, then you'd have to buy something that's not from here. But our honey, being as close as it is to home, as minimally processed as it is, is really the 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 healthiest honey you can eat.
0: Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I I've uh, actually one of the first meads I made was with honey this is before i knew anything about honey but like um honey that i bought on amazon
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i'm pretty sure that's probably part of the reason why the mead didn't turn out so great because <laughs> <laughs> it was more just like you know probably like um corn corn syrup that i was fermenting you know what i mean
1: Right? maybe maybe
0: um because it just it just didn't taste taste nearly as rich as i thought it should well
1: that's the thing about a uh a- local honey. I mean people taste honey. People are used to tasting, oh no. Yeah. People are used to tasting a store bought honey. It's um not gonna be as flavorful, rich, uh like deep flavors. Um and then a lot of people are used to having a lot of people come to us and like, ah, I don't like honey. Well have you had uh like a local raw honey? Have you had something like a fresh honey? No, I just, you know, I had honey as a kid. Well, I think a lot of people associate honey with their, their parents shoving honey down their throat when they're sick mm. as medicine didn't taste great. They associate it with being sick and they just never redeveloped that liking for honey. But a lot of people, when they taste our honey, like, wow, it's really got like depth of flavor. And then we, we have them sample honey side by side, kind of like wine tasting mm. and they'll taste the. A wildflower honey, which is the bees are are collecting nectar from any flower in their, in their range versus like a blueberry honey or cranberry honey. And those are produced by us bringing our bees out to the farms right down here in South Jersey and pollinating the crops. So we know that the majority of the nectar they're bringing in is from the blueberry blossom mm. or the cranberry blossom. And they have different flavor profiles. You know, you can taste some blueberry, but it's a... It's like a lighter, fruitier honey. You know, cranberry is going to be a little richer and tangier. Um, so when people taste those honeys, they're just, you know, they're blown away by the, by the richness of the flavor. And then we get down into the creamed honeys, and that's a whole different ballgame. I mean, that, and you asked before about where I want to go. That's one area with the creamed honeys I'd love to like develop. And try to get some distribution. Yeah, we have a couple right here. We have the um the chocolate creamed honey that you brought in, and then we
0: have the, the ginger uh turmeric
1: one. So those are two two big hits. We also have a um a seasonal pumpkin pie creamed honey. Mm. Uh we have a just a plain wildflower and we have a cinnamon creamed honey as well. This ginger turmeric honey is super unique. It's just it's just honey and Our ginger infused honey, uh, turmeric, black pepper, tiny bit of cinnamon. But when you eat it, it's like a spread. It's delicious. You can put it on crackers and cheese. You can put it in coffee and tea. Uh, You can cook with it. I mean, it's a super, this, this product here has, we're doing great with it. And uh, we had a lot of happy customers, a lot of return customers on that. So that, that's something I would love to, you know, if I was going to develop the product end of it, try to get,
0: this is, this is the spot.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that's the one.
0: And so this is all, this is all made with raw local honey. So this is, has the same health, health wise. This is almost yeah. like a, a, a way to get
1: that raw honey. So it's, it's local raw wildflower honey. So you're mm. getting the most pollens, uh, in that. So, so for allergy relief, that's great. You know, if we have a local customer. But yeah, all of our creamed honeys are made with our wildflower honey. Hmm. And uh, just a, a different experience eating honey that's spreadable, that's solid, hmm. that's, you know, but real smooth and yummy.
0: Yeah, I think it makes sense with um, what you're talking about as far as your um, your products and your price point to also have the education side of your business. Because it seems like a lot of the the price differentials um, or that, that price suppression that's coming in is because you have these other cheap honeys that are coming in from like China and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but when these honeys aren't as high quality, it's that's why it's important to educate so people know, hey, when you buy this, you're not getting what you think you might be getting. Right. So it's almost good to have that, you know, the education portion in tandem with
1: with the products. Yeah, and it's actually pretty amazing how different the interaction is let's say at a farmer's market where we can talk to people, educate them as they're tasting it or in the shop, we can educate them compared to somebody just buying at the supermarket. So there are a couple small supermarkets uh, in the area that we distribute through. And especially like with these creamed honeys, um, we don't do well if somebody can't taste them. So there's got that, you know and that's something else we're working on in terms of the labeling is to try to educate people through that mm. versus the label just saying a creamed honey because what's a creamed honey mm. and it doesn't why why do I care about a creamed honey over a regular honey? Like we're we're gonna try to develop the label a little bit mm. since we can't have that conversation with people if they're buying it from from the grocery store. Got it. Um but it, it there's a lot of there's a lot of interaction at our at our markets and our events with people with that. It's like you say, with the education piece, just mm-hmm. kind of, and it's incredible. Like to me, I see it as such an opportunity because there's so many people that don't know, they don't know the benefits. They've mm-hmm. never heard somebody talk about the benefits of honey. And a lot of people don't even know about the, the like allergies in honey. Mm-hmm. That surprises me. Mm-hmm. It, oh, I never heard about it. Oh, it really helps with allergies. Well, yeah, <laughs> Tell you about it. Yeah. Um, so to me that's great I love I love to hear that because I feel like there's so many people that we can reach and have them if, I mean if people more people ate a little bit of honey every day um I think we'd have a lot less sickness. I really do like I think it's that powerful of a, of a medicine that um, you know that's that's a pipe dream but um to think that we're gonna we're gonna move the needle on how many people are eating honey but it's good to have those conversations super important for us to get out in the public to these markets and things like that to to be able to interact with people cool absolutely yeah. and that's why the shop is awesome cuz it's just that opportunity yep. built in you know
0: um so towards towards the end of the show i typically do a quick question round where we kind of run through five quick oh, questions man, here we go just just get on oh, okay it's going to be it's, it's real quick it's real quick um <laughs> so um do you have any, you know, rituals or habits that make a drastic impact on your life personally or the stuff that you do in the business?
1: I, um, I, I use my calendar. I kind of live and die by my calendar. So my calendar where I used to have a calendar and a task list, mm. My task list now is is, part of your calendar goes on my calendar. So all of my tasks take up space in my day. Um, And I, I literally like, if there's something that somebody talks to me about and I have to remember it, it goes on my calendar. Like I literally live and die by that. And I really find that it by, by making my tasks part of my, like I I put it into my calendar as a meeting. Uh, It really helps me kind of, you know, I can go through. I can prioritize them in the day. I can, and but it takes up space in my day because hmm. I know that that task is going to take time. It shouldn't exist on a on a task list off on the side, right? It should be part of my day, hmm. uh, just like a meeting would be. So that I, I would say pro- that's probably probably a thing that I that I uh, implement the most in my day to day is just kind of getting things on my calendar. Um, yeah.
0: Uh-huh. No, uh, it's good. It's good. Okay. Um, what is what is the coolest thing you've seen lately? That could be either in your field related to bees, or just completely separate. But it's always interesting to see what people have to have been exposed to
2: recently.
1: Huh. I'm gonna have to say the uh, the lunar eclipse a couple weeks ago. Mm, very cool you know why? Because I, I, so I got up at four 30, me and my son went out, checked it out. You know, it wasn't long lived because it was cold outside and it was dark and we all wanted to get back into bed, but those moments of kind of pulling myself out of this craziness that I'm in every day, Hmm. uh, kind of looking out to the, Cosmic world, (laughs) as Mm -hmm. goofy as that may sound, really puts things in perspective for me. It helps helps me to realize that, you know, the struggles I'm going through, the challenges I feel really aren't that significant in the big scheme of things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So to go out and see the lunar eclipse, uh, you know, kind of takes me there. And it's amazing. You know, it's just an amazing thing to, think about what we're seeing, what's happening there, you know? Well, yeah, no, I, I
0: do. I think, humi- <laughs> I think, I think humility is huge. You know, yeah. I think, you know, as a, as a business owner, you, uh, you get humbled each and every day as, as, you know, a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's good to get those really big humbling experiences that um, almost encompass all the tiny ones that, you, of, you know, in a day in
1: basis. It kind of does. I don't really, you know, that, that feeling may, may last for, Couple hours at most, yeah. yeah. But uh, but I like it. I like kind of looking out and putting perspective on things.
0: Um, what are the most transformational changes you're looking to make over the next ninety days? Ninety days. Both both personally or uh, in business.
1: All right. So wow. Uh, so I mentioned SEO. That's that's probably on the top of my list for a winter. So 90 days is going to kind of be this winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I dabbled with it a little bit last year. I really need to sort of focus on it this year and get a plan together to increase my, my website presence. Um, that's from a business pr- perspective. That's kind of going to be my goal this winter. Um, and just not that I need to solve it, but at least get a plan in place, get Got the it. right people in place to help me work through that and kind of move in the right direction to improve my visibility. So I think there's a huge opportunity there too. Um, personally, I my goal in the next 90 days is kind of recommit to my family and my kids um, just to give them more, time with me uh and i want to have more time with them whether it's you know playing sports going out and kicking the ball hitting the tennis ball uh i really want to sort of focus on 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 uh as, you know setting setting more time aside for for that and making that a priority because hmm. it, it it happens so easily that 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 business because it's so uh frantic sometimes. And it's so big and takes up so much space in our day that it just overwhelms those, those moments that you have with your family and, mm-hmm. you know, the things that matter, you know? Uh, so I think, yeah, night, that's kind of my, I'm going to refocus on that a little bit. Good. You know,
0: and, and, and then, uh, and then finally, yeah. what, what is your favorite beverage
1: alcoholic or, or not? Or across it, the it, board, across the board.
0: You can, you can throw one of each in there if you want to, but across the board.
1: Favorite beverage has to be, uh, it's gotta be coffee with honey and oat milk. Mm. That's my, that's my, you know, I'm drinking that. I, right feel, here. I feel like that's a
0: good substitution for, for cream and sugar.
1: Oh, it's amazing.
0: I, I think I think it's,
1: it. the, it's not, it's not only good. It enhances your coffee so much more than, than cream and sugar. <laughs> you don't have, so the. The honey in the coffee gives it depth of flavor. It adds to the coffee, you know, adds to the flavor of what you're drinking. Unlike sugar, that's just, you know, just that sweetness. And um, you don't need as much honey as you would sugar. It's not even. So you can put a little bit less, you know, calories Mm. in your, let's say, calories. And then the oat milk, you don't get the sourness from the dairy. Mm-hmm. So that's why I love oat milk. Cause it's just, it's, it creams up the coffee really nicely. It's almost the same as like half and half. Mm. If you get like a full fat uh, oat milk Yeah, and it tastes amazing. Hmm. Yeah. I highly recommend it. I will try that. I will <laughs> definitely, I will definitely try that. But um, you know, close second is this, uh, this pumpkin pie mead. I'm digging this.
0: Yeah, no, I really like this. Is <laughs> This is very good. I'm, I'm actually very, very, very impressed with this. Um, Pumpkin pie. I was at first. I was like, okay, yeah, we'll we'll see, but yeah. it,
1: it does a really good job. No, it does. Pretty subtle.
0: Well, Jason, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah,
1: Greg, thanks for having me. I,
0: I really appreciate it. Really enjoyed our conversation. Fun. Likewise. Um, and we'll we'll keep moving this forward. See what we can do to, to help uh Mill Creek Apiary and its further endeavors. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, so is there any other final thoughts that that you want to plug? Um, or you know, social media handles that you want to throw out there? Uh, the next minutes are are yours, just to kind of um,
1: give yourself some ad space well Mm millcreekapiary.com um our instagram is millcreek apiary honey but uh i mean we're you know we're sort of talking about and encompassing so much um that i feel like i just i owe a debt of gratitude to the people that that work for me Mm -hmm. you know my employees um if they're listening, you know, there's just a huge amount of appreciation and, uh, and, and gratitude. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I just want to thank them for, for everything they do. Not that I don't tell them, uh, pretty often, but, uh, I couldn't do it out. And my family, of course, you know, it's it just, it's, it's funny how you, you rely on your support system, mm-hmm. um, in ways that aren't quite tangible. But uh, when you sit back and think about it in moments like this, it becomes crystal clear why I am where I am, not that I'm anywhere, you know, grand, but that I've succeeded to this point because of those other people. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have done it myself. So yeah, awesome! thanks awesome. for having me. Well, thanks again. Really do yeah, appreciate you Got it. it. Yep. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you're not yet a subscriber, please go and hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and all major platforms. And you'll get notifications whenever new episodes are posted. If you want to write to us, our email is leverageandbeverage at gmail.com. And if you follow us on Instagram, it's at leverageandbeverage. I'm Greg Sobosinski, and you've been listening to Leverage and Beverage. As always, keep pushing forward one sip at a time.